Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected one, a person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And as Muslims, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us to respect our women and to protect our women. And the only time a Muslim really gets real violent is when someone goes to molest his woman. We will kill you for our woman. I'm, I'm making it plain, yes. We will kill you for our woman. We believe that if the white man will do whatever is necessary to see that his woman gets respect and protection, then you and I will never be recognized as men until we stand up like men and place the same penalty over the head of anyone who puts his filthy hands out to put in the direction of our women. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. And welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of a television radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Latrice. Thank you for being in the saddle with me as we get this morning's discussion question started with a couple of special guests, my former and longtime co-host, Christy Gaynell. So many of the listeners are probably very familiar with her, as well as returning guest, uh, Jason Warner. But if you will, Queen, say hello to this morning's true seekers and to our guests, and we'll get them introduced as well. But thank you for being with me this morning. Good morning, Montoya. Glad to be with you this morning. Um, looking forward to the show. Uh, absolutely. Um, Christy, we'll let you go ahead and say hello to the True Seekers again. You, you're in the guest role. You've only been in this role a couple of times in all your years with me. Um, spending two years, at least two years with me on the air, uh, holding me down. So thank you, Queen, for waking up early this morning and saving the day and coming on this show. Definitely need to have some balance on this morning's discussion. So I wanted to get you on and thank you for being with us. But, you know, again, say hello to the True Seekers out there. Give any background you would like to give as well. Good morning, Truth Seekers. Um, Christy Gaynell, I'm a stand-up comedian and author of a book called Condoms Are Cheaper Than Child Support. And um, I have been really kind of studying, you know, this topic uh, through a lot of my relationships for a while now. So I'm so excited. When Montoya told me the topic, yeah, I'm in on this one. So I can't wait till he tells y'all so y'all can feel my pain and we can get into it. (laughs) Nah, I can dig it. And last but not least, again, a returning king that has held a mental dialogue show down for a lot of years, um, only vision um, himself, uh, Mr. Jason Warren, if you will, king, say hello to the queens and hello to the truth seekers and give people a little bit of your background as well before I let the cow the bag on this morning's discussion question that we're all so excited about. 
Good morning, Queens. Uh, thank you guys for having me. King, thank you again for always uh, including me in the dialogue. Truth Seekers, Jason, um, my name is Jason Warner, as Natalia said. Um, I guess I'm the founder of the Own Division Foundation and Own Division Academy. Uh, I'm just excited about being in on this discussion. This is a discussion that, ironically, I was on on Thursday and will be on again on next Thursday. Um, so this topic is, is near and dear to the community, and we have to make changes. So I'm just excited. No, absolutely. And without further ado, this morning's discussion question, why does the black woman feel unprotected? If you're a first-time listener, we always do our show in the form of a question. Uh, I go by the name Black Socrates, in a sense, using the Socratic method, if you're familiar with that. And the idea is to write, ask the right questions, hoping to get to the right answers. Like Jason, I was actually on a broadcast on Tuesday, um, locked and loaded, shout them out, and we had this very same discussion. This is obviously brewing um, in the community, especially if you're on social media. It's pretty obvious, in a sense, this was the show uh, that's pretty much appropriate. Uh, quite often, uh, if something's brewing or a hot-button item, per se, we a lot of times we'll kind of uh, get away from it and kind of be a people's place of solace. My long-time listeners kind of know if something's getting inundated in the media, uh, typically we're going to be on Saturday morning kind of stepping away from it. Um, this situation is not necessarily brewing in the media, even though there have been some op-eds and I've been on some shows and things of this nature, but a lot of the bigger issues that are in a sense, and I say bigger only because we've had this civil unrest over the last few weeks. So as this is happening, we've had these, in a sense, I'll call them underlying, not meaning lesser than, and that's more, but just these underlying issues that have kind of come up, and this has been one. And, and, and I've seen plenty of sisters um, this week answering this question both ways. Why does the black woman feel unprotected, although we phrased it that way? I've definitely seen sisters who are kind of on both sides of it from the standpoint of feeling protected, feeling unprotected, uh, Jason, myself, have been in dialogue. So let's go ahead and get into this show. What we, what I typically do, um, in a sense, is ask the first thought. Christy, I know your first thought because you said it this morning, hell yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll start with you, uh, Latrice, which is uh, when you understood that this was going to be the topic, this question worded this way, uh, what was your first initial thought without going too deep into it, just the initial thought when you heard this is this morning's question? Um, I have to. I actually had to stop and, and think where I land on this spectrum of, of feeling right now, um, because when I've done the show with you previously, I was of one mindset, and I had to step back and think if that mindset has changed, and if so, why. So it sort of sent me into an introspective kind of mood. That sounds good, and, I, and, and knowing that again, you've been having you know, constantly jumping in and being a co-host whenever I need you to. And, again, we've we've explored this, as you as you mentioned, we've kind of explored this topic on de- different levels. And, again, and so it will be interesting to talk about that evolve for you throughout this show. Um, Jason, I'm going to go to you now. Again, I didn't realize you had just been on the broadcast just, you know, a couple of days ago. I knew you had your broadcast coming up on Thursday, and we'll let the audience know more about that later, but if you will, just your initial thought. Again, I know you've already been digging and dealing with this already, but um, when I said, you know, hey, you mind coming on my show too, what was just your first thought? And I'm, <laughs> I have an assumption what it might have been, but just, just the initial thought, nothing deep. I'm going to stop and just let the queen go before me. <laughs> 
and it'll go into my thoughts. All right, sounds good. Well, I already stole Christy's first thought because I heard it when I woke her up this morning and said, hey, can you save the day? And I said, here's the question. And she went, hell yeah. Like, that's your first thought. I can't even let you get past that, Christy. Like, if you had another thought, we're not even going to share it at this moment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Your first thought came out loud and clear on the phone when I called you this morning. So I already know your first thought. Uh, with that said, we're going to bounce it right back to you, well, Jason, uh, if you will. Uh, I'm sorry? In the well, the reason I said that, right, is because my first thought is what can I do different to change that narrative? Nice. So part nice. of I'm listening to, to is listening to the first thoughts of Queens. Like, because if I'm saying I don't feel protected, I want someone to hear why I don't feel protected, not nice. give, you know, kind of feedback. So that's my first thought. Makes what sense. can I do to change the narrative? Hey, that's a great first thought, and it's kind of what my goal, I'll say, is the goal of the initial part of this show uh, is to kind of open up our ears, if you will, uh, you know, to an aspect. But as always, I play cuts uh, that can drive the conversation as well. So uh, we're going to go to this first break. There is a cut. Um, You'll hear Nick Giovanni um, coming out of the break. So y'all listen to it. I'm not saying this is necessarily where we gotta go because you'll you'll kind of see where she's going. Um, but ultimately, I am telling you, ladies, at least in this first this next segment, it is a situation where. And if you're out there listening, I'm gonna open up the phone lines early because I do want to hear just ladies speak on it wherever they're at, um, almost irregardless of the cut. But of course, again, y'all can address the cut as well. Again, I bring those in just to give context and people go wherever they like. If you're first time listening. Um, when you call in, you do have to press one. So you you'll hear this number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. And when you can listen that way, but if you choose to speak, you do have to press one. Just want to make that real clear for first time listeners. A lot of time they'll be like, I was waiting and I never got on because they forget to push the one. So I want to make that very clear because I am looking to open up the phone lines a little more than normal this morning because we want, as Jason said. We do want to hear from our queens. Again, we worded it this way because, again, this sentiment, again, seemingly was permeating the Internet. And, again, I know sisters who fall on the other side of it, but because I saw this so much, I want to hear from the ladies, if you will. So we're going to go to this first break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Peace and power, y'all. This is Baba Ami Oji Woke Up the Uhura Academy. Malcolm X said that education was our passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today. Whether the Ahuga Academy Online Summer School is a live, interactive, online experience for youth ages 6 through 16, where they learn life skills, where they engage in academic enrichment, where they engage in, in cultural enrichment via our Sankofa for Success African History Program, life skills through chess, vision development, and entrepreneurship. I'm talking about action-packed. I'm talking about fun, informative, and interactive. A lot is going on right now. We need to be focusing on solutions. And our children, our children are going to inherit these challenges. Let's get them ready. Enrolling them in the Uhura Academy Online Summer School is one way to do it. In my opinion, the most effective way. Visit UhuraAcademy.com right now for more information. I'll see y'all this summer. I think that the only thing that's changed in the last, uh, since Martin Luther King, since uh, 54, 
I think the only thing that's really changed is the black woman. And and what she's no, I don't changed. I think she's become more visible. I think she's changed. Because there was a time, let's say my mother, you know what I mean, my aunts and things like that. They would say, okay, if that's the way you establish your manhood, mm -hmm. I'm going to go for it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. my generation says, hey, mm -hmm. no good. Okay. You must okay. establish I'll a agree. new base. I'll agree with and, that. And we are, as a group, demanding that a new base be established. Yeah, but be careful as a woman and what you demand of a man. I demand that he be a man. Yeah, but you can't, because you, but the you provision can't, part... Yeah, but you can't say you demand it. You have to, you have to suggest it. Well, that, that's your <laughs> ego that says that. No, I, I demand it. Now, you deal with that. All right. Okay, I'll even, I'll even, I'll even, I'll even I go with that. I demand that you be a man, and I don't think that that's asking too much, because if I wanted a provision. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, our special guest Christy Gaynell, as well as Jason Warner. This morning's discussion question, why does the black woman feel unprotected? Again, that was a cut from Nikki Giovanni speaking with James Baldwin. Um, very interesting take uh, from her. Uh, as you can hear, since in the 50s, I'm not sure if what she's saying applies today. I think it does in my opinion. But, um, Latrice, we'll just kind of start with you uh, in addressing either that cut or just uh, even if you won't even get into your involvement of where you're at, um, you know, let's dig in a little deeper, um, if you will, Queen. Um, I, I'm not really responding to the cut, but just thinking about um, why many black women feel this way. Um, and I think it's evident that um, we are often attacked for attributes that are beyond our control. Um, we're attacked both by black men and black non-black men. And um, oftentimes there's no one coming to the defense. And I guess I, I went politically and I, I think a lot about how um, the current administration will attack women of color, um, calling them idiots or some other name, and, and how he's comfortable doing that, how Bill O'Reilly um, attacked Maxine Waters' wig. Um, and they feel comfortable, and they do these on they do this in pu very public platforms, and so it's a reason that they feel comfortable doing that. Um, and I think that goes that lends itself to why black women feel the way that they do. Okay, makes sense. So you're attaching it to um, a larger society, in addition to maybe the the in a sense the personal side of even how we see it in the community. The fact that. Uh, at least the way I heard it, uh, the fact that getting it, they feel comfortable doing it uh, lets you know it, it, in a sense it must be a-okay. Uh, um, Correct. So makes sense to you're me. You're absolutely um, so Christy, I'm going to kind of – oh, yeah, please go ahead. Please go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was saying that, that is definitely my assessment of it. And, you know, I've had my experiences um, with that, with feeling unprotected, but I've taken measures to ensure that I surround myself with people that make me feel safe. Um, but I have to be intentional about that. Uh, makes sense. Um, Christy, you want to respond to the cut or just kind of give your thoughts again uh, or go deeper than hell yeah, <laughs> as I as I, as I, I kind of factored <laughs> you prior to the break, if you will. So uh, any thoughts from you, Queen? Well, yeah, I want to elaborate on my hell yeah. So part of the reason my response to your, your question and your topic this morning um, was hell yeah is because um, as a comedian I tend to see things from multiple perspectives and 
I am known for having unpopular opinions. Um, and I have friends who also have sometimes unpopular opinions, and I'm one of the few people they feel comfortable discussing those with. So I had a friend a couple weeks ago who says to me, you know, I'm having trouble getting behind this Black Lives Matter movement because we started all of this rioting and protests behind the death of George Floyd. And she's like, I really think that it was horrible. I think that this was like an awful thing. I'm not arguing that. But Breonna Taylor was killed weeks before that, and none of this happened. She's like, why do we not get up, stand up, riot, protest, and shout in support of our black women the way we do our black men? Um, She was like, if you look at historically every time that there's been something powerful, some movement, Mm -hmm. some march, it's been because of or in support of or due to the loss of a black man, but she was like, you don't see the same support. You don't see that same passion. You don't see that same drive. You don't see that same push when it's a black woman being killed in similar ways at the hands of the same people. Um, there's, there's talk. Their names are spoken at the rally, but they're not a driving force. And she was just like, that feels very hurtful and frustrating to me as a black woman that as much as we do to support black men, and support these movements and support our progress in this society, when it comes to our lives, I don't feel like we're given as much value. I don't feel like we're protected, and I don't feel like we're supported. And because of that, she says, I'm having a lot of trouble wanting to participate in, you know, aiding this movement, even though I know it's for the greater good of all people. She's just like, it just hurts that it's not, you know, because of the women. I hear that often, so, Christy. Um, definitely want to hear your thoughts. Oh, I'm sorry. I, mean, no, I thought you were finished. Who? Go ahead if you were continuing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 just, uh, I, I, I paused. Was, I missed you. Go ahead and finish. Now, please go ahead. Yeah, it's because of that. And also I was on a panel of police officers in a, in a blog talk, um, in a blog podcast recently. And it was kind of like the same thing where, you know, we're we're that we're very much kind of condescended to and demeaned to and told, you know, oh, deal with it. This is the way it is. You know, like, and it's, it's <laughs> I'm just like, at a certain point, instead of becoming part of the problem, um, I feel like people should start becoming part of the solution. But for me, it feels like um, people are just trying to get out of the way of the blows and protect their own ass and. I feel like that's, like, kind of what a lot of men are doing, and I feel like women are, like, fighting to change the laws and change the move. you know what I mean, like, change the world, and men are like, oh, I'm going to change it by becoming part of it, and I'm just like, that, that doesn't support, that doesn't protect, that doesn't help us, you're, you're helping them, <laughs> but, um, so those are part of the things that have affected my viewpoints with regard to this topic today when you asked me about it. And I was like, hell yeah, because I've got all these mm-hmm. people, ideas, thoughts, and I look to it. So, well, like I said, Queen, I've, I've, everything you've just said, I, I've heard from other queens, um, you know, over time, um, particularly now, um, I, I can go as far as, you know, having watched or, watched or seen this happen uh, as well, even the idea of 
when sisters are kind of saying, hey, what about a Breonna Taylor? Because I've definitely seen that on social media, and it doesn't just take place on social media. Um, this is a thought that has long been around prior to even having social media to even highlight these things. I've consistently heard, you know, and you definitely hear it in particular when they, when there are similar incidents such as this, unfortunately, uh, kind of back-to-back where there is a recent hashtag of a young lady, if you will, uh, but sisters are kind of saying, hey, where's her march at? You know, and, and things of that nature. And, and, of course, Louisville has done their, you know, obviously done their level of, uh, you know, sense of diligence when it comes to Brianna. But, but you know, at the, at the end of the day, that national groundswell, I think I can admit, and I've heard it plenty of times before, that's a fair question by your friend. Uh, years ago, we even did a show trying to address, hey, what does it take for, uh, in a sense, you know that that type of incident to gain national attention. Um, this is not all we want to talk about, uh, you know, today or whatever, but it's prevalent and relevant to the time. And so I've heard what you said, honestly, um, Christy, time and time again. And there's unfortunate historical context for why that might be. Uh, and you know, maybe we'll get into some of that. But I just wanted to acknowledge I've heard what you said many a times, uh, Jason. When you hear you know, in a sense, uh, uh, Christy, um, say something like this. The question I kind of had for you, but I'll let you, you know, kind of segue it back to what you heard from Christy. The question I originally kind of had for you, Jason, was just the very beginning. We played the Malcolm X cut that, you know, this very famous woman, in a sense, the black woman is, you know, least protected, uh, you know, most disrespected. And so a question I asked somebody earlier this week um, who was, in a sense, kind of defensive about it was just simply, uh, what has really changed for, for for the black woman since Malcolm said it? So I'm kind of asking you that question, and you can segue into what you heard either either of our ladies say. But go ahead, King. So I guess it's a, it's a lot to digest, right? Um, and I wanted to first respond to Latrice's comment, um, and to and I guess with a question, right? Because those the two comments were how. You know, black women are, are assaulted and verbally assaulted, specifically in, in national headlines um, and not respected. Uh, part of that is what does the protection in that situation look like? Because we're all facing this challenge against white men in this country. And how do we stand up or show up differently? than the ways that we have not been doing um, to, to change that dynamic. Uh, and then to the second point of, of women not being led in the marches or held to a, an esteem, one, one of the, the, I won't say it's a challenge in that, it's I believe part of the reason that the George Floyd got case got so much of attention in Ahmaud Arbery is you saw it on live in, while it was happening. And mm. it, it, it brought people get attached to attention while my circle and different things may be continuing to post and making the calls uh, and, and pushing in support of uh, Breonna Taylor, the national swell is because of the visual, you, you saw it unfold in front of your eyes. Um, you know, I think part of the challenge that men in that you will hear from men is they're speaking up, they're doing different things, 
there is a bubble and there is a and that's because that's in their bubble, but there's also a section of men that they don't even, you know, engage with. Um, and Montoya, we had this, we've had this conversation before. Like my circle is different. Like I don't hang out with mm-hmm. dudes that don't take care of their families. I don't hang out with dudes that you know don't respect women. So it's hard for me to check people that I don't see in my everyday interaction. However, I was just on a call, that same call on Thursday, and they the guys on there said, "Let's see what the females have to say." I checked that conversation. I said, "This is not the language we use when we talk about women." You, you, the, the, the response said, "Let's see what our women, our queens, or what have you have to say, exactly. but not the females." Beautiful, right? So, in those small instances, the the the, the redirection is there. Yet, I think part of it for many men, we're trying to figure out with what we are doing, what more should we do, and how do we serve differently? Because I think a lot of times we're in a, a space where we're we're thinking we're doing what's right based off our bubble and our our circumstances, but clearly we need to do more. Now, that's strong, but I'm, I'm going to evaluate some a little psychology of what just happened there in reference to where you went after, in a sense, kind of responding to a Christie, if you will, but where you went. And I want to, and Latrice, tell me if you, you notice this as well. Where Jason is going is going to be a very obvious part of this show, especially on the on the next cut, if you will. Um, but tell me again, this is the mental dialogue show, so we try to get deep into the psychology. I slightly heard, in my opinion, Jason, you jumped the gun on that part, the defensive part, based on what these ladies had said at this point. They hadn't even mentioned the expectation of us, which is going to – you can't do this show without – that being a part of it. That's going to be a big part of this show. But in my opinion, uh, you, you, in a sense, jumped the gun based on what I heard the lady say. I heard Latrice kind of say, nationally, here's how we looked at. Um, and, I, and I heard Christy simply say, hey, j- just for example, based on the most pertinent situation that's even driving part of this conversation, these, these situations with Black Lives Matter. Uh, and so while I know Christy and Latrice well enough to know that that's going to come up, I kind of feel like not mentioned and slightly jumped the gun. And, and it's because, in my opinion, I'm just kind of being real particular with nuance here, it is it is very much our nature as good brothers because we want to help and protect so bad. Even when they haven't mentioned that yet, we're still trying to figure out, okay, what can we do? What can we do? Whereas I would offer, and Latrice, you jump in right here, I would offer um, even the national situation that she said was it a situation where she's even saying, I expect black men to do anything. It's just us admitting this is a reality for us as black women. That's kind of how I perceived it, but Latrice, I'll obviously let you speak for yourself. Yeah. And of course, Jason, I'll let you yeah. respond. I'm just kind of telling you how I saw what just happened, the dynamic that I think I witnessed myself. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, that's precisely how I saw it. Um, that's that's what I meant um, when I said it. this is a problem. Um and, I, and I, I don't know that I expect black men to be able to solve it, but there is this perception that black women are fair game for others. And, you know, it's not the right way to be. Um, I agree with his assessment about why the masses took to the streets after George Floyd um, because it was so visual. 
but there is a certain component. I, I can't, I can never remember this young woman's name, but when she was killed by the police, she was having a mental breakdown, um, and um, she had some children in the house with her, and um, I think maybe it was Corinne Gaines. Corinne Gaines is correct. Yes. Many of the men that commented were making negative remarks about her and what she should have done differently and what, you know, why they couldn't get behind it because of their attributes of her character that they didn't approve of. But just to, <laughs> to kind of, you know, at first you were right, but just to show you where there is a, a, a difference here, the young man that was shot in South Sacramento, I believe, who had made disparaging tweets about black women, it didn't matter. Black women were right there marching for him to receive justice in spite of his negative remarks about black women. So regardless of what, um, of what, how we are treated, we're still there to the forefront, even though there's this intersectionality of being a woman and being black, and oftentimes we're challenged to choose between which we're going to be. We typically will put our needs to the side and step up and be out there speaking and marching and protesting for black men. Yeah, you're referring to Stephon Clark. It's, it's a shame that I even know these names off the top of my head. I even hate that I do. Um, but, again, that's a almost another issue that is so prevalent for us. And one other thing I would quickly say, um, just to even mention, um, I agree that the video definitely heightened it. Um, but the reality is if you think about Black Lives Matter starting it, starting, you know, in a sense with Three Sisters, that was, in a sense, based on a Trayvon and Martin where there, you know, there was no video and there was that groundswell, and, you know, even prior. And, again, I think the video definitely plays a role in it becoming a national – I mean, it makes it so easy. It was caught on camera, so it makes it easy to become a national groundswell. But even prior to even those situations, there's been plenty of hashtags, Mike Brown, that became national issues, whereas we've had sisters like I always – highlight Rakia Boyd because I think it's is the most grotesque um, that example of police brutality. Look up her name, hashtag Rakia Boyd, and, and I simply say she's only a hashtag Mike Brown you know, and our Rakia Boyd situation is much worse than um, than Mike Brown's. And not to leave y'all hanging, this young sister was w- walking in a crowd, an uh, uh, off-duty cop thought somebody in the crowd had a gun. It wasn't, uh, and shot into the crowd. And the guy ended up having a phone, but he shot twice, the second shot shooting her in the back of the head. There's nothing more grotesque than that. That policeman walks the street as we speak. And so an example of, you know, it doesn't necessarily take video. While I do agree with Jason, that video definitely played a role in this one becoming that. We are up against the break. Um, This cut that you hear after this break will definitely take us in the direction, again, how I'm seeing this, the context of this, which is, particularly between the black man and black woman. We're going to get deep into that. Again, you cannot do this conversation without that. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, but all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways. Every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. 
you saw brothers not protecting sisters or disrespecting sisters, or you see these senseless debates or people going back and forth, you don't even realize right in front of you are about four or five great brothers or sisters that would support you, that would care about you. You might have walked past 20 black men that would respect you and that would protect you, but you don't even notice them because you're too busy being mad at what you see in your phone. Same thing with brothers. You're too busy looking at the gold diggers in your phone. You don't even see the decent sisters that's walking past you. You know, because a lot of people do not live in reality. You live in your phone and you consume all that negative energy all day. And when you consume that, you put it out on other people. Boom that and then you convince yourself that this must be the case for every black man. All black men must be like this because this is what I see. Nobody tells you to follow those negative people. Nobody tells you to look at that stuff. Nobody tells you to be involved in these gender wars. You choose to do that. You choose to consume that. So you are convincing yourself that black men ain't shit, that black men don't respect black women, that black men don't protect black women. Because again, you can walk past plenty of men out there that would respect you and protect you, but you don't even acknowledge them. And when you do see them, you're disrespectful to them because you've already convinced yourself that they ain't shit. Excuse my language. But that is just the way a lot of us are, both men and women. And I would like to say one last thing. When you do see a lot of these videos where it's brothers not protecting a black woman or disrespecting a black woman, most of the time it's younger brothers. Most of the time it is it's brothers with this new masculinity. When you usually see brothers where a black man is stepping in and protecting a sister, it's usually a brother that has that original, regular old masculinity. You know what I mean? But when you shame men and make them feel like there's something wrong with their masculinity, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get a bunch of young brothers that don't know anything about being a man. I think a lot of these brothers could use a mentor. They need a masculine role model in their lives, which is why I think it's ridiculous that a lot of black women still are talking about how toxic masculinity is. Of course, there are some brothers out there that do use their masculinity in a negative way, but there's a balance. There's always balance. And for sisters to say, oh, i not protected and men don't protect us, but then when a black man is a protector, you say he's overprotective or he's controlling or he's toxic. What do you want? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Women say that about my man. Like, he's a great protector, like I said before. But women will be like, oh, he, your man is controlling or he's overprotective. No, he's not. You know, how would you, how would you know? You don't have, clearly you say you don't have protection. You don't have anybody protecting you. So how do you know what's overprotective? You don't have anybody protecting you according to what you say. So, like, what do you want? Do you want men to be masculine or not? You know? So, anyways, I'm going to stop because I'm going to be going on. Welcome back to the Better Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Latrice Ross, this morning's discussion question, why does the black woman feel unprotected? Our special guests are Christy Gaynell and Jason Warner. Christy, I'm going to let you start off. Um, that cut was from Sarah Lena. We've had her on the show. You've been on the show with her before. Um, so she always has very interesting perspectives. Uh, if you are a first-time listener out there, our goal is to delve into all questions from all angles. So not telling you what to think, all we ask is that you think, but any thoughts from you, um, Christy, in reference to uh, the mouthful that Sarah Lena just laid out uh, in that cut. Yes, 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 yes. And I've been waiting because um, Jason, Jason's our other guest on the show, right? Correct. That's his name. Okay. Something Correct, Jason. Said, yeah, Jason is yeah. 
in defense of his position, seem to highlight the problem. And and I and I feel like it works well with what um, Sarah Vina was saying. And the the comment that he made is the the brothers in my circle are not like that. The people in my circle don't do those things. You know, they protect their women. And if they didn't, I would check them. But I don't hang around those kind of people. And um, I think that is one of the biggest parts of the problem is that, like she was saying, a lot of times it's the younger men, the younger boys that are being disrespectful. And we know that 72% of black households are being run by a single mother. So if there aren't men like Jason who have these circles of men who know how to treat and know how to protect women, going back and talking to these young men as they come up and telling them how to treat and how to respect and how to protect women, then the only example these young boys have of how to treat women is the negative men that may or may not be trying to get into their mom's bed, um, trying to sleep on her couch, trying to take advantage of her, or whatever it is that's causing these women to continue to be single mothers. And I'm like, you know, he stated it as if, you know, it's not his problem. You know what I mean? He stated it in such a way that it's like, well, you know, if I was faced with this, then I, I would do something, but I'm not faced with this. I people, and I'm saying that the solution is, Find a way to surround yourself with those people and educate those people and teach those people so they don't have, we don't continue to have generation after generation of black men who are being educated by the people who are perpetuating the problem and so that we don't have to look so hard in a crowd to find the black man that will protect us because they will all be the black man that will protect us. Great point, Jason. I know you're biting at the bit. I got to say something before I let you jump in because I know I know you and I'm going to let you talk. Um, I just want to highlight, um, again, great point, Christy. Here's a perspective. Patrice and I have talked about this offline many a times because at the end of the day, uh, our number one pillar with the Mental Dialogue Community Club is to encourage strong black families. And this is a dilemma. Here's an additional perspective, if you will, Christy, and I'm going to let Jason jump in because I know you're going to want to respond. Uh, but I, I want to add this context because, again, Latrice, she's heard, she's heard this often. The other aspect of what you're saying, and I, and I want to highlight just real quick, it ain't necessarily look in the crowd. I'm with Sarah Lena. You might pass by a bunch of brothers who are nice and you just don't think about them. But anyway, I'm just kind of being funny with that. But the, more serial, the most serious point, I'm sorry, is what you're saying sounds great. Here's our reality when that number is 72%. Uh, technically, uh, if you want to get, you know, like technically, again, me being a numbers guy or whatever, it's a little about, it's about 55% because quite often uh, those single mothers, are, you know, are in the homes with their grandmothers or other adults or whatever. So uh, I'm not saying that that makes up for the man not being there. But either way, um, that 72% number is a real number. And here's the reality of how that number plays out, and I'm pretty sure Jason can, can speak to this. The reality is, not only do those circle of men um, do we do do we hang around ourselves in the sense that the type of men that we're talking about is literally all in water, and he gave that slight example of what happened on the show because it was his only time to even be around somebody who would even use the term female, if you will. And then you know, there's a lot of uh, discussion on whether you should or should not. Uh, my, you know, no surprise that Jason and myself 
we know better than using that term. Uh, even even with ladies who are okay with it, we just don't use that term. Nobody in my circle uses that term. So while it was a small example, what he was really highlighting was, um, again, we're all in water. We don't mix with those brothers. But it's not that we're not attempting. The reality is those brothers also avoid us like the plague as well because partly they don't want to be checked. Again, that doesn't take us off the hook. I'm just telling you there's very little interaction. And here's the last part, and I'll let Jason jump in. The last part is um, I'm, I don't know. I'm, pretty, I'm just guessing that I know how involved Jason is in his school. But, for example, being a part of big brothers and things of that nature, the numbers are overwhelming because those brothers are trying to be mentors, but the number of brothers out there that still lack mentors is not from an, a, a failed attempt of the good brothers to do those things, Christy. The reality is the numbers are literally overwhelming. You know, and Big Brothers is just one organization that will tell you that, but they're not the only one. And so all I'm just simply saying is um, the, the biggest influence we end up having is probably our mentor and our children because the reality with a 23-year-old brother who has had not had that upbringing, while we can check him in a moment, he will spend the rest of his life not being around a Jason or myself so that he can continue to do what he does in a circle of men who are not protectors. So a lot I said there, but Jason, go ahead and, you know, jump in wherever you feel like, King. All right. Um, so, one, I just I want to, I guess, I guess be more clear, right? So my first comment, I'm going back to the my first comment in, in response. Um, the, I, I thought that the conversation is how tools for the broader audience and everyone can protect women. So the asking of solutions was for that, right, to be the voice yeah. to say, and that's literally what I was talking about from the, uh, the onset. How do we listen differently and how do we provide solutions differently um, in that, not for me per, per se, but for the broader mm -hmm. audience? Because if, most, if I'm the only, quote, unquote, male guest voice on here, I, I feel like that is a responsibility to make sure that that message is coming across when these challenges come out. So what what is the next step? Um, and to the, the next point of not being, quote, unquote, around those men, it's a difference between what I do every single day, served as the PTA president of the high school. I'm around young boys all the time directing them. I participate in an organization called Ask Dad. We mentor young boys all the time around these things that they need to do to be protectors, to be, to be in guidance role for those that don't have fathers on a daily basis. But for adult men, I don't sit in the circle where I'm hanging out in a non-mentor type of role where they're saying, hey, come hang out at my house, I don't know you. I'll bring a 15, 16, 10, 17, 18-year-old boy to my house and kind of be that, that support system for that disconnect um, daily. However, from an adult standpoint, walking down the street, hey, brother, let's talk about X, Y, and Z, that's, that's just not my general space where I am. So the goal for me is really to kind of redirect behavior, to learn, and to share it when I'm in that situation. Uh, and I can't share it if I don't know, know where we need to continue to evolve. So, again, this is not a space of saying uh, we're not engaging, 
can engage, but how we can do better and do it differently. Now, strong points, and thanks for the clarity on the intentions uh, for what you said. We actually have a caller. Let's go to the caller. If you're out there online to listen, to get in, you have to call 646-787-1691 and press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Area code 404, last three, 187. you got about a minute and a half, and we can keep you on after the break if we need to, but go ahead. Yes. Hey, guys, this is Sherdine, and I am so excited to hop in on this conversation. Um, And there's so many points that I want to make, but I know I have a short period of time, so I'm going to stick to this one. Um, They talked about, the young lady in the last clip talked about how um, black women are looking passive because we're looking in our phones and and vice versa. That means men are looking in their phones. But understand that this concern about lack of protection has gone on well before social media, well before cell phones, well before any of this, right? So I think that's a um, maybe relevant to some degree, but inaccurate in its totality. But also just being a proud member of the Mental Dialogue community and in participating in some of our events, one of the things that stand out amongst men that absolutely protect in their definition of physically protecting black women we still have these same arguments that if we do what's right for the black community, it will naturally have a trickle-down effect on the black woman, which still means that first we protect and care for the black man, and subsequently somehow that is going to benefit the black woman. And I wish we would get out of this space of solely focusing on protecting us, quote-unquote, and put more emphasis on empowering and uplifting us because black women are constantly creating programs to support, empower, protect black men, but I never see black men rallying behind black women to uplift them, to help them grow their businesses, to help them be um, effective, to to even just give them self-care time, you know? And so I think that's extremely important. I, of course, I always talk about how blessed I am to be in a position where my husband not only protects me, but uplifts me and allows me and supports me in building my business. But we need more of that. It's, I just don't need you to stand on the side of me and make sure nobody does anything violent to me, but I also need you to pick me up and ensure that I can gain, gain this wealth and reach my goals and the success that I am trying to achieve. And it's so hard for us to see that, see great examples of that, in the black community because it's still we're going to protect you just continue to be submissive and be a good wife and a mother and all of that stuff and we'll protect you in that in that role and we yeah, want to evolve we're up, we're our role we up against the break one yeah we're up against the we're good against the break i can keep you on until somebody else calls on so i'll just keep you on after the break if you will queen but listen to the mental dialogue talk show where all i ask is that you think hey where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, 
Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be, I don't even talk. Protect black women. Yes, 100% facts, as the kids are saying these days. This catchphrase may sound great as a chant, a hashtag, or even a trendy bandwagon to jump on, but it clearly needs to be done. Here's the thing, though. Safety and protection can't be implemented. It must be constructed. So what does protect black girls even mean? Allow me to over-explain it to you. Black feminine expression, whether young or old, is often reduced to stereotypes like loud, sassy, hypersexual, or confrontational. The sapphire, the Jezebel, or the mammy. Black girls fall victim to something that's plagued American blackness since slavery, the perception trap, or adultification. These concepts allow for the world to subscribe to a dangerous way of thinking. Black girls need less nurturing, protection, and support than any other group. In order to even begin protecting black girls, we must first allow them to be seen as girls. This clarity and vision comes in many ways. From Centoya Brown to Jasmine Barnes to handcuffed six-year-olds, yes, that happened. We're failing our black girls. When it comes to black girls, innocence is a privilege. Madison Moore is the six-year-old black girl who was handcuffed and placed under the stairs after she took candy from her teacher's desk. They heard it. They heard. Did you understand why he would put handcuffs on you? It's been reported that they wanted to teach her a lesson. They taught her an early lesson, that even in childhood she can be criminalized. Black girls are disproportionately punished in school, which contributes to the construct and conditioning of criminal behavior. The school-to-prison pipeline does exist. What about the black female student who was dragged out of her desk during class? The officer was booted from the force but faced no charges. But guess who was arrested? The girl he dragged and another young black female student who recorded the video. Apparently, these girls violated South Carolina's controversial disturbing schools law. Students are not to interfere with or disturb in any way other students or teachers in the school. And if you broke this law, boom. There would be a misdemeanor on your record that could be punishable by a fine or incarceration. The law has since been amended to take away criminal charges but it was still in practice when these black girls were arrested. Wow, so a teen with an attitude can end up in jail for the hormonal roller coaster that is adolescence? Girls can't be girls, especially if they have melanin. So that whole boys will be boys excuse that exempts young men and some old men from consequences of bad behavior seems to skip over young women, especially young black women. Brock Turner walked out of jail early Friday morning after serving just three months for sexual assault. In order to fully protect black girls, we've got to abolish racism. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, our special guest, uh, Christy Gaynell, as well well as Jason Warner. Uh, Latrice, I definitely want you to get into that cut. I think that cut kind of highlights a bigger issue than even the you know, in a sense, the male-female dynamic that we were just talking about. We could definitely, we're definitely going to continue that thought. But I'm going to let Jason kind of respond to uh, what he heard um, Shadon, you know, say as well. I'm, I'm going to beat her up and take it a little personal. She said I always do this or whatever. But as a proud member of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, we definitely represent some empowerment from time to time. But I understand she's saying on a larger scale, does it happen? Uh, we are a small community club. We just throwing it out. I'm messing with her a little bit. I got her on hold, so she can't say anything. So I'm being, I'm messing with her. Uh, but if you will, Jason. Um, <laughs> but if you will, Jason, uh, 
the queen definitely said some things that I will definitely want to hear your response as a as a man and possibly hearing that from her the first time. What what what, what did you hear and what are your thoughts? You know, again, I I can't I can't disagree with her experience, right? Um, her experience may not be my experience. Uh, I, there there are a number of opportunities specifically for Black women empowerment. Uh, the mayor's office of uh, women businesses, uh, Black enterprises, uh, women support for uh, business growth. Um, so there, there's a number of opportunities, and again, I cannot combat her experience. Again, my experience is there are a number of men pushing and supporting and encouraging and protecting. So my goal, again, on this show is to figure out ways that we can do this so the majority of women feel this support, this protection, um, you know, as 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 one man that encourages on my platforms and the, the the groups that encourage on their platforms, we need to do better because there clearly is a disconnect. Right. Now it makes sense. Let me let, let me bring Shadon on. Shadon, real quick, because um, we want to move into the cut as well. But just real quick, um, could you share? I'm about to bring her live, but if you could, Shadon, just share. Um, what do you think that looks like um, as when you say the distinction between I'm not just looking for prote- protection, uh, what does it look like from us as men? Because I think that's what I hear Jason asking. So if you could just give us a thought on that before we move into the um, the context of kind of how women are seen in society. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I-, I do understand what he's saying, but I think a part of it for me is that if you were to, if someone was to ask you to network black women in support of the black community or black men specifically, you Hold can on easily second, rattle on off through your the phone floor. Went out, your phone went out. Sorry, because we don't, so you, your phone went out for a second. So if you said if somebody, I think you said somebody were to ask me and the phone dropped, so we missed the first part of your point. Okay. I'm trying to get you to start back over because we can missed you your me? point. Sorry about it. Yeah, we can hear you now. You just it went out, so we didn't quite know what your context of your statement was. So if you could start over, please. Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Yep, go ahead, Queen. Oh, okay, sorry. I was talking on my phone. But what I was saying is that um, I understand and I hear what he's saying, but I think a part of the issue for me is that if we were, uh, if someone were to ask you right now to name organizations that were founded by black women to empower and support we may have a bad connection. I'm, I can make an assumption of what she's about to say. Um, the idea, oh, she actually dropped. All right. Um, so the assumption is, you know, can we name the, the organization? I'm assuming this is what she's about to say. She may get back in. Can we name the organizations that women make you know, to deal with black men? Um, I can think of one. I may be wrong about what she's about to say. So I don't know if I have that context. Again, I'm making a big assumption there. But uh, since we've lost to Latrice, I definitely want to move back to the cut. Um, that that we heard, which is which was a long cut, but it's something I hear you talk about in seminars all the time. In a sense, how our black women are seen, and I think a big part of the context of having this conversation is the idea that sometimes, even when we're focused on the male female dynamic, sometimes we're losing, in my opinion, sight of, as that cut said, what how racism, in a sense, gets us bogged down looking at one another. But it's kind of how we're looked at 
that plays a huge role in possibly this feeling from you as, as, as queens, if you will. Like there's this feeling that I think sometimes gets lost in the context that the bigger picture is a big part of why you're feeling that. And I think black men and black women are guilty of just looking at one another and kind of losing sight of all these other races, you know, tropes that uh, that kind of have us seeing one another the same way that 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 we heard in that cut. Go ahead, um, Latrice, if you will. Absolutely, Montoya. Um, when I heard her say the adultification of black girls, I was like, bingo. Um, we missed that point. We missed the point about how girls between the ages of five and and fifteen, how they're perceived to be more adult than they actually are, um, that they need that they need less support, that they need less, that they're less vulnerable, that they are more aware of adult things um, than their white counterparts. Um, adultification is linked to harsher treatment in schools, i.e the handcuffing of the young black girls and arresting them. It manifests itself in higher standards for black girls, and we even see that in our community. Research has actually shown me that it's more likely that black women will blame another black woman for being raped than blaming the rapist. That's as a result of holding black women to a higher standard than other people are held to. Um, this adultification contributes to the negative stereotype of black women, and this is uh, this is where a lot of the gender issues come into play, um, where black women are perceived as a sapphire media trope, being angry, um, being overly aggressive, being hypersexualized. Um, all of those things are the perception that society has about black women, and those are reasons that those are reasons that lend itself to, to why we don't feel protected because those perceptions exist, they're projected on us as young as five years old, and they continue to follow us throughout life. If a black woman is upset about something, and nine times out of ten, there's some reason that we're upset about, you know, in our society, there's a reason. But we are perceived to be angry and out of control. And I see social media posts about that all the time. Oh, I'm, this is why we're doing, we're dating out, we're not dating black women because they're this, that, and the other. But you walked away from black women. You mistreat black women. You, you, you malign and demean black women. And so what are black women supposed to do? Now, and here's the thing, box, Christy. Yeah. I only got a couple of minutes before we go to the top of the hour break. But the thing is, in the context of all of this, the, the, the thing that I think goes missing in our own communities because, again, these things are put on us. It, it, it's, it's, and so what happens is because it's put on us, we kind of forget that we learn them and accept them too. So we're saying mm -hmm. it to one another, but when we hear it in the context of that cut, we kind of think of, yeah, that's how others look at us, but not realizing we, look, we learn the same thing that is being passed down to mm -hmm. other cultures, other races about us. We learn the exact same thing and play them out. And so because we live in close proximity to one another, we see, you know, the, you know, we upset with the, the woman and the woman's upset with the man because we're playing out the very same thing that we're fighting, quote, unquote, racism out outside of our culture, but we're feeling it more from the people we interact with every day. That's just a thought that I think has to be said. Mm -hmm. uh, we got about a minute before Absolutely. the top of our break. If you want to say something quickly, Christy, I'll let you say something and come out of the break uh, and continue your thought. 
Oh, um, I, I want to say that it goes so much deeper and so far beyond, like, where we're taking this. And I, I have a lot to say, but I'm going to start here. Um, I noticed that, like, when she's talking about the adultification of, of black women and the way that they're treated, even within our culture, I know that there's a thing where a lot of times when black women are molested or raped, um, they're not allowed to say anything to law enforcement because we don't want our black men being locked up. Too many black men are in jail. We don't want them to be in prison. So, you know, we sweat a lot of, we sweep a lot of stuff under the rug. We pretend like, you know, oh, you know, we'll deal with it in the community, but oftentimes nothing's ever done. Um, so not, so black women feel unprotected stems from that. Like if you're raped or molested as a child and you tell the adults in your family or your circle or mm-hmm. your friends or whoever, whoever you think can help, and instead of that person making sure that whoever raped or molested or abused you suffers the consequences, they protect this man and say, no, well, we don't want him to go to jail. We need the income. No, we don't want him to go to jail. We need the man in the family. Um, you're You're telling black girls from childhood, not only are you not protecting them, you're telling them that they're not worthy of protection. You're telling them that that black man's protection, that man has more value than they do. Um, So the messages that we're sending to black girls from this young age are not just we're not going to protect you, but you're not worthy of protection. And then as we now that's strong, up, Queen. We up we up against the break, so I'll let you finish some of that out of the break. That's a very good point. We definitely need to go there. Um, we actually have a caller that wants to get in as well. You are at the top of the hour, top second hour. We always play a cut from our sponsor, Square Business Entertainment, Taylor Paces. Say it ain't so. So sit back and enjoy this cut. When we come back out of the song, we'll have another cut that kind of takes us in a direction as well. But we definitely want to address what Christy had to say. All I ask is that you think. Baby, say it ain't so Say it ain't so Me. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, why does the black woman feel unprotected? Our special guests are Jason Warner and Christy Gaynell. Uh, before I play the, it's another cut from Nikki Giovanni, uh, I wanted to absolutely address what Christy said, uh, and I, I didn't want the cut to take us in a completely different direction, and we have a caller. So we'll address Christy, go to the caller, and then I'll play that cut, and we'll talk about it as well. Um, uh, but Christy, amazing point. I think it is a reality. The one piece of context I would add to it, and I would want to hear all of your opinion about this, um, because uh, that is definitely a prevalent issue. Uh, I've said many a times when we've done shows about those issues in particular, where it be whether it be in a sense child sexual abuse or child abuse or domestic violence, those are the topics that I'm always saddened that we don't get a lot of dialogue on. I'm not completely surprised. None of us should be surprised because as a culture, we typically tend to push those issues down. American culture does it, but I think we feel like it happens even more so in our community, and I think I think it will be hard for somebody to argue different than that. Um, but as you said, that's the type of thing that you're showing that young lady, for example, when that happens. Here's the context um, that it, that saddens me about it all, uh, that all of us end up being complicit in the very things we're talking about, which, says, which, which I'm trying to bring the context that this doesn't even play out to a certain extent, even in a gender situation like we think it do. We put, I think we put it in that context because, unfortunately, the very exact same things, and this, this is not a tit-for-tat thing, it's about us, in my opinion, owning the fact as a culture that we end up male and female, woman and man, ends up being complicit in the very thing that Christy's talking about. And the example is that's exactly what happens to a young boy, too. That, And, again, I'm not, I promise you I'm not going for a tit for tat. I think we, we turn this portion of what we do as a culture in a pointing the finger uh, men will say, well, what a woman could have done not to get raped. I'm not saying we're saying that on this show. I'm just saying that's an example of things that we know are not full context, but we'll end up turning something into a gender situation that I think our community needs to own the fact that our whole society is complicit. I know of young ladies who their their mother was the one to hide it, uh, not just because she didn't want the man to go to jail, but simply because of shame. Shame makes us hold down things we need to bring up front, um, if you will. Um, so, Latrice, I'm going to let you respond. I'm going to let all of you respond to that. Um, I'm going to let Latrice respond first. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, who's that? Right, sorry. You're ab- Christine, Can you I just go finish ahead? before you respond? Yeah, yeah, please go ahead, Christine. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I was, I was saying within this scenario, not only does the girl not feel protected, she's already a but it's deeper than that because within the family structure, everyone in the family knows if there are brothers, she has brothers, those boys are also taught that that girl is not worthy of protection. They're also taught that her value has been diminished, right, because nobody protected her. They know what happened. Everybody knows what happens, the cousins, the uncles, the whole family. So it's like we're, we're teaching this through silence. It's su- subliminal messaging that is being carried throughout the entire home or the entire community, from family to family, that 
not only is it, we don't have to protect the girls, we don't have to worry about them, you know, they're just girls, they'll get over it, they'll survive, whatever. We have to protect the black men. This is the, the message. But beyond that, there's another side of that that, you know, you mentioned that this happens to boys, but I think what actually happens to boys is far worse because what we see a lot of times with boys, and there was a very famous um, rapper who's done this recently, he paid for his son to be with um, prostitutes, or he took his son to the strip club. And we hear about these kinds of things in the black community where men will, you know, get get their sons a prostitute or take them to the strip club at like 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. And from that perspective, from that age, not only are, is that actual sexual abuse of your minor child, but you're also teaching that child, that male boy, that women have no value. You're presenting women as a commodity for his first experience of being with a woman. You're telling him that women are commodities, that they're not to be valued. You can do whatever you want. We can pay him off. We can treat him however we want. We just pay him off. And so it increases the level of demeaning that has already occurred in this boy's mind and whatever else happened to his sisters from early childhood. Now, I can't disagree with that. Uh, most people um, had a problem with, you know, obviously that was Little Boosie, and I know you're not saying he's the only one that does it. Uh, I will throw out to you, let, let Latrice jump in, but I will throw out to you just, again, a couple of things to consider because we, 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 we push and stress nuance on mental dialogue. Just a couple of things to consider. Um, while a lot of what you're saying is what it is, I, and unfortunately, I being in the South, and I'm pretty sure Jason may, probably has seen this too. I think he's, I think you're raised in the South, but um, I've seen plenty of families. Unfortunately, the the, the men, the men who would handle that situation, are quite often the ones who the secret is kept from. They are doing what you said originally, Christy. They don't want that particular man to go to jail. So I, I don't see a situation where the type of men that that are protectors are informed because the practical protectors, there are some of those men in jail as we speak because they did handle it. Um, but I've definitely seen yeah. families go out of their way to ensure that the men who are protectors don't find out about those scenarios. I, I've seen it go to deep levels, unfortunately. Yeah, um, but I do agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, so the, all the boys are not taught that, but unfortunately the ones there are boys who are taught that because they're kind of too young to do anything about it. So you are right. They are learning that. Uh, let me let Latrice jump in and then Jason as well, and we're going to get to the caller. I like to say I think that it is because of the internal racism that we have in our community um, that we hold we hold women accountable for things that are beyond their control. Um, I agree with what Christy said about um, – I agree with both Christy and Montoya that you know, oftentimes when a child is molested or a girl is in rape, they will keep that from, from – they won't report it to law enforcement, to Christy's point, but also they won't let that protective male figure know because they are afraid that that person will go to prison as well. Um, and that does have such a tremendous negative impact on that young girl's psyche about her value. Um, but then, too, even as we go into when I was talking about adultification earlier, I talked about how black women hold other black women to a higher standard when they've been raped. They will be the first ones to come out and say, well, she shouldn't have had on that outfit. It's her fault. She's always hanging out at that club. Because they view black women 
the same way that the world views black women, that we are stronger, we are less vulnerable, we are less deserving of support and assistance, and we have to begin to work on abolishing that mindset within our own community, period. No, absolutely. Jason, I'm going to let you jump in. And, and just a quick reminder, again, we're learning it through the same mediums that we say other cultures are learning it. You know, I don't like the t- term internal racism. I know exactly what you're saying. It's just we're we're accepting those stereotypes that are taught to everyone else, ourselves. And I know we're saying the same thing. I'm just kind of, make, you know, just kind of picking out the nuance of that. Um, but go ahead, Jason. Any thoughts on what they've had to say? We've got a couple of calls we've got to get to as well. So definitely a few thoughts. Part of it is I just I think to your point, and to, we have to change. And this is the 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 platform of mental dialogue. We have to change the mindset of our community. We have to, as a collective, move differently. I posted a year ago, uh, a little over, a year and a half ago. Your daughters will hear you defending R. Kelly, and that's why they won't come come to you about your uncle t- touching them, right? So we have to as men not defend bad behavior. The culture as a whole has to not defend bad behavior and not hide bad behavior. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a transforming of the mind. Uh, they're, they're so, like you said, not tit for tat. There's just as many men that I've found in conversations and working that have been molested that have never talked about that um, they thought it was a quote-unquote rite of passage, and now they're growing and going through therapy and counseling, and they're finding out that, no, that that aunt that made me do X, Y, and Z, and I wasn't allowed to tell about it, kind of exacerbated the over-sexualization um, that men have. So we have to do better of changing the narrative, and my goal is to be able to find tools and listen differently to be able to you know, speak to my male counterparts on what we need to do differently, how we need to be better fathers, better husbands, better just men in the community. So, one, I just want to say to you all, I appreciate hearing what you're saying so that I'm able to bring it back to different, different groups. No, absolutely. Strong thoughts. Let me get to one of the callers, and then we'll go to a break and get to the next caller after the break. What's going on, on my board? There we go. Area code seven seven zero last three three seven seven. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Got about a minute and a half. Just let you know. Yes. Good morning. This is Isna calling from Conyers, and I just wanted to say thank you all for having this discussion, as it has been a post that I recently put up about black women, and I wanted to be brief in saying that it comes not only from a spiritual, mental, and emotional standpoint of others having a narrative for us that we're taught that women are supposed to be the weaker gender, um, that we are not as smart mentally as men. And this is across the board, so superseding just being black, but period. Emotionally, that we're too unstable, that we're quick-tempered, and all of those things that was mentioned. However, we're also expected to be strong at the same time. But yet when we show the strength, we're criticized when we say the black girl magic, black girl power, and then like, well, why are you leaving out the black men? It's because we have not felt protected. And as much as we love you all, I love black men to the core, but I realize that has been my 
running theme, even within my own family. Why don't I feel protected by any, my husband, my brothers, my sons, any of all them, I say sons, because I have many in, in spiritual sense. And I will be brief on this. Chrissy, you hit a nail on the head. I was raped. I, I had told about it, told my family, told my brother. It happened in an institution, and no one protected me, not the institution, not when I came out and told about it, and the police would not even let me report it. This is going wow. on for so many times, and I'm telling you, Oh, it's the, you're talking about the unveiling of truth? This is it. This year, I'm telling it all. It happened recently, and I went to a very political person that I know and told what had happened. He told me, I will be on top of it. Do you know I have not heard back from that brother once since I've made that call? I hate to hear that for you, Queen. This is what you do, if you will. We've got to go against the break, but if you will, come off the one and then come back on whenever it feels right, because I definitely am willing to let you in a sense say more of what you have to say. We do have another caller, so just kind of putting it in context. As soon as I let you go, come off the one and come back on to the one later in the show. Uh, but thank you, Queen, for calling in. Um, you said a mouthful there. I wish we could address it immediately, um, but we'll try to address a little bit of it coming out of the break. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, but all I ask is that's the thing. You're welcome, Queen. Peace and power, y'all. This is Baba Ami Ojibwoke of the Uhuru Academy. Malcolm X said that education was our passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today. Well, the Uhuru Academy Online Summer School is a live, interactive, online experience for youth ages 6 to 16, where they learn life skills, where they engage in academic enrichment, where they engage in, in cultural enrichment to be our Sankofa for Success African History Program, life skills through chess, vision development, and entrepreneurship. I'm talking about action-packed. I'm talking about fun, informative, and interactive. A lot is going on right now. We need to be focusing on solutions. And our children, our children are going to inherit these challenges. Let's get them ready. Enrolling them in the Uhura Academy Online Summer School is one way to do it. In my opinion, the most effective way. Visit UhuraAcademy.com right now for more information. I'll see y'all this summer. We have a dream. For what? Well, this is so, so everybody's, everybody's jiving, but let's jive on that level. If I love you, I can't lie to you. Of course you can lie to me, and you will. If you love me and you're going off with Maddie someplace, you're lying to me. Because what the hell do I care about the truth? I care if you're there. Let Billie Holiday say, hush now, don't explain. All right, I accept that. Of course. All of right, course I you lie to me, because I don't even want to care. I thought, what does the truth matter? And why are you going to be truthful with me when you lie to everybody else? You lied when you smiled at that cracker down the job, right? Lie to me, smile. Treat me the same way you would treat him. I can't treat you, you the way must. I treat him. You must. Because I've caught, the, I've caught the frowns and the anger. He's happy with you. Of course he doesn't know you're unhappy. You grin at him all day long. You come home and I catch hell. Because I love you, I get least of you. I get, I get the very minimum. And I'm saying, you know, fake it with me. Is that too much of the black woman to ask of the black man? For 10 years, so that we can get a child on his feet that says, yeah, father smiled at mother. He talked to me about school today. Who cares that you can read or can't read? Most Americans can't read. Most people can't read. They look at the pictures. Baby, baby, I know what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying, and I, I don't disagree, but no, 
I'm going to be honest and think about it really. I'm not so sure that that is a human possibility. If I have to smile all day, and the cat on the job, the foreman, you don't understand why I'm smiling. Mm-hmm. Not because I want to smile, I'm smiling because that baby needs new shoes. I can't give a performance all day on the job and come home and give a performance on, all night in the house. Okay, so one of the performances will stop. Yes. So you say, and okay, I might be willing to go with it, but who's going to pay the rent? The rent will get paid. Look, baby, I'm willing to play it your way, but you have to see my point of view. I see your point of view. But the rent will have to I'm, get paid. The price of the rent is my smile. No, no, no. I don't want you prostituting yourself. I demand. I don't want you prostituting yourself either. One of us has got to work. You'll work it. You will work it out. Because you are intelligent enough and you are sensitive enough. You are a man enough to work out a new system. Because we started off with everybody's protest now and we're back there again. As long as the assumptions are the same, nothing will change. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So we must corner ourselves to make a new assumption. Okay, how about it? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, special guest Christy Gaynell, as well as Jason Warner. I think that cut is so incredibly telling to this morning's discussion. I still heard, which our queens are absolutely so beautiful. So in that brilliant dialogue, dialogue between the Nikki Giovanni and the James Baldwin, she still ended up empowering and saying, I believe in you. You can figure it out. I don't want you to prostitute yourself out to the quote-unquote the man at that time was a term that was often used. I believe in you, and if we do this together, I believe you will figure it out. She earlier in the cut in that same interview said the relationships is what matters. That's what's necessary. And I liken it to a time where we understood what family meant. And family was the focus and played a big role in what you just heard, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going to let Latrice give me, you know, a thought on it, and um, we'll get to a caller, and we'll just kind of back and forth because we got several callers trying to get in, but I want to have somebody else's response to that cut Mm -hmm. and how I think it is prevalent to this discussion. It's very prevalent to this discussion. That cut, the beginning of it, was my marriage. where my ex would, you know, do what he had to do at work and smile or whatever, um, but then come home because he was stressed and want to yell and cuss at me. Um, So I lived that dynamic for a long time. So it was very relevant for me. And I was the one who was saying, you know, we can work this out, let's figure it out, let's do whatever. Um, But we never were able to get beyond that point of discord where he could go into the world and everybody thinks he's the nicest, kindest, best person. Um, but when he would come home, I would see the dark side. 
So that part is very relevant. Um, I think it's relevant for a lot of our households because there is so much pressure and stress being black in this country. And because we're not a community that believes in mental health treatment, um, we take it out in detrimental ways on those that around us, on ourselves, and those that we love. So I think that it's important that we um, begin to look internally um, at our community dynamics, at our family dynamics, and begin to really address these issues as a whole. Uh, absolutely. Let's go to the caller. Is this Kevin out of South Carolina? I hope I got the name right, but I think I know the numbers. Is that you, King? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How y'all doing? I got other callers, so I'm going to keep them quick today. So just okay. thank you for calling yeah. in, King, but we got All other right. callers today, so I'm going to let All you get right. a thought out. Go ahead. Let's thank you for it. calling in. All right, let's do this. All right, let's do this. Um, here's, the problem is it's so complicated. Um, James Baldwin, that clip you played, it hit me different ways because what you were uh, uh, experiencing is the destruction of masculinity. What I mean by the destruction of masculinity, that's the essence of what white supremacy was. It destroys the black manhood. Like today, there's a war on black manhood. When that's improperly taxed, we will make sure our families survive. Because we don't practice the utmost in masculinity, we allow others to control our destiny as a family, as a community, because real men go out there on the plane and make it happen, and they don't let other men dictate how they dictate their family. But the simple fact that you know James Baldwin, you know, you know, he was a homosexual just playing from the other side. You know, he's trying to tell the people, I got to do what I got to do. You know, no, you don't got to do what you got to do. Men do what needs it to be done. No matter what, see, these other men, these other cultures did what it needed to be done in order to make sure their families and communities came on top. We're always told to water ourselves down. Well, well, like you said, you held it from your man. I wish you would hold something from me. Woman, you tell me what's happening to you. I don't want to, you don't worry about me going to jail. You, this your job to tell me that someone put their hands on you or my child. I am the head of this household and is as protector, and it's my job to protect you. So you, you do me a, a great disservice by holding it back from me. See, we're trained to do that. Why? Because Malcolm did that to us back in slavery. He made sure that when he killed us, and, he, and unfortunately, you did that to protect us. But when you did that, you destroyed that masculinity in me. You destroyed the masculinity in my son. My son need to see my daddy go out there and handle business. See, these boys, when the last time you ever heard a child say, I'm going to run home and get to tell my daddy? You haven't heard that in You years. don't hear it no more. Yeah, you don't hear it no more. You don't hear it no more. I'll, Thank you for I'll, the thoughts, I'll, King. I'm going to give you one quick challenge before I get to the next caller, um, Kevin. Um, okay. I will say if you go if you ever get a chance to go listen to that cut again, um, I'm a big fan of James Baldwin. I think his responses are exactly what myself as a heterosexual man would have said. So in that sense, um, I think he represented how we as men carry it. So I would just challenge you to listen to it again because if you felt like you heard 
something not saying what I think you or I would say. I'm from South Carolina just like yourself, and I absolutely understand your passion uh, growing up around men like yourself. Uh, I felt like in that exchange, while it was nuanced, I felt the challenges he brought back to her was, as a man, this is what I'm going to do. But if I were to do it that way, what about this? And, again, she just ended up saying, you are smart enough, you are intelligent enough. And that's exactly what, quite often, men like yourself, would like to hear from from mm-hmm. their, from you know from their significant other. So I just wanted to and point it out. I don't have a problem with you addressing that, but I'm just saying I'm just saying that brothers mm-hmm. came the same way we would have come as a hetero. I don't think that was neither here nor there in that discussion, in my opinion. Just a challenge to you to think about. All right, let's get to the next caller. And I'm just trying to rattle them off because I got several of them. I got brother Pianchi out of St. Louis. Then I'm gonna get to um, the seven eight six area code. Let me get Brother Pianchi on real quick. Brother Pianchi, you're live on 3D with us. What you got for us this morning, King? Thanks for coming. Well, I like that last caller. <laughs> but, you know, the one of the reasons why their protection is not felt is that the structure that once was is no more way too often today. You know, the structure that created it was created to produce a male into a man. The fathers, the uncles, the brothers, the son. There's no master in academics and economics for capital generation in order to produce the family. When you stray away from that which had been tried, proved, and tested for millennia, then the circle is unbroken. And the ends have a difficult, if not impossible, time to come back together. That's what I see. It's just me. Thank you, Montoya. Always thank you for your three cents, King. Appreciate you. I'm gonna let Christy respond. We've got a little time before the break. Um, we about other things that you've heard these brothers say, um, Queen. Uh, what are you hearing, or what is your perspective on our last couple of callers, if you will, or even the James Baldwin cut, whatever you want to respond to? Go ahead. Oh, my gosh, there was so much in that. Um, And I think before I get into that, I feel like I really need to ask that. So much of what's being said here, um, even by you, Montoya, is actually speaking to the problem that we face as women when you, I mean, even though you started with, well, I'm not trying to do a tip for tat thing, but this happens to me too. Um, with the James Baldwin cut, you made a comment, well, yeah, she handled that perfectly. And so I feel like what you guys are failing to understand is that even in us discussing the need for women to feel protected, we're still trying to figure out how, you know, I mean, we're we're trying to either protect egos, we're trying to protect their sexuality, we're trying to protect them from, you know what I mean? Like, like you guys are not even, it feels as if you're, having a hard time even having a conversation regarding protection of women without bringing in either these same things are happening to boys or men or, yes, this is true, but we need to protect the male ego in the process. And I feel like by doing that, you're kind of demeaning the conversation with regard to what the women's needs actually are because you're still – subconsciously even focus on what the male's needs are in each of these scenarios. Strong thoughts. We're actually up against, we're at the bottom of the hour, so we could definitely explore it. Um, we're going to hear a poem uh, from this 
spoken word artist. I think his name is Danman. Um, I'm just going to speak to a lot of this, and we still have another caller that wants to get in, but let's listen to this poem, and we definitely want to address that. I, I think what you're saying definitely needs to be addressed by myself as well as Jason. So, Jason, out of this poem, I'll let you respond to some of what Christy's saying, and, and, I, and I will as well. But thank you for those thoughts, Queen. All I ask is that you think. Silent screams coming right and left to a black woman. You beautiful creature, not animal. Aesthetics of pleasing exterior so tangible. No. There should never be question about compatibility. You hold me down, I'll hold you up. That's what it's supposed to be. Look and see we've lost our way from back in the day. The wounds have partially healed, but the scars still remain today. They say. We educate a man, you educate an individual. Educate a woman, and you educate a nation. And one of our downfalls is lack of communication. Too much pride, too much self gratification. Be the queen that you are, and you will attract that king. Be that significant change you want to be happening. But we must break the mental change that we still shackled in. There's a war going on outside, our battles within. Break the cycle, trace the historical origins of our mindset. Divide and conquer by design is how the thing set. I'm silent screaming because we are disconnected. Our mutual perceptions of each other are all infected. Only scratching the surface of truth is never dissected. Distorted understandings of logic is left neglected. Our children long suffering from the games that we play. Crossing and arguing. Is that how we communicate? Work with me. Why you fighting me? Why the spite for me? I'm out here in the system and these guys eye on me. I can't rely on you because you think you can't rely on me. Social media documenting our activity. Welcome back to the Bitter Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Special guest co-host Latrice Ross, special guest Christy Gaynell, as well as Jason Warner. Um, a lot in that cut as well. I'm not going to go too deep into it. I want to address what Christy had to say as well as get to the caller. Uh, Jason, um, Christy's challenging us, saying that even in the context of this discussion, she she, she still sees a problem. Um, what do you hear, um, um, hear from her? And I'll let you further explain it as well, Christy, but let me get a thought from Jason from what you said at this point. Go ahead, King. Um, one, I just want to say, Christy, I hear you. Uh, and I also want to say is I think part of Montoya and I's discussion is getting to the root of our holistic issue and addressing the family to make sure the, the, the queen, uh, the young ladies, the young girls are protected because if we only focus on that one part of the growth, we still continue to create this notion of toxic masculinity because we don't teach this in a family type of scenario, um, in a communal type of scenario. And what I said in that was we have to 
address the cultural mindset so that we can fix these issues that are plaguing specifically our, our girls. Um, it, it's, it's not but, it's and uh, when, we, when we look at these challenges, and, and I hope that you can take from that. And I, well, I hear that you took that this is the, the subconscious thought. That clearly wasn't my intent. I don't think that was the intent of Montoya. I think part of it is trying to find out solutions where we can address and fix these problems so that they don't continue to be per- pervasive um, by just looking at it through one lens. Um, fair thought, Christy. I'm going to say a quick thought, and you can respond. And I'm really just going to reiterate what he said, and I'm going to be specific in, in the nuance of what I said earlier and why I really meant when I said, you know, it's not tit for tat. And I know you know I meant that, but I, I was trying to bring it into the scale of, and it's kind of what Jason is saying, but I just want to hear you, let you hear this specifically, the reason of even highlighting the saying that the similar thing happens where the boy can't do it, not because it's, it's not a tit for tat. It's time for our culture to realize that's not a gender thing where we're protecting one more than the other. It's time for us to be honest culturally that we carry this shame and we harm all of our children not to lose sight of what's happening to our girl who, who our girls who take brunt of it, which I think is what Jason is also saying. We're very aware because, as you said, even when this – the situation with Boosie's son, that ends up harming women too. So we don't run from that. I was just highlighting that a lot of times these dialogues are done in a gender battle when it's time for our community to realize, hey, we all need to look in the mirror because that's how it's happening. It's not just that we're not protecting the girl. We have this issue where we don't own this shame and address this in general. If we got better at, I say, going ahead and calling the cops, Make it, keep putting it out loud. Don't be shameful. That's how we will get rid of this mess. But because we try to hide it as a culture, it ain't even just black men hiding it. It's both. We're both, we're both complicit, but it's not just to put it on y'all hand. It's for us to own it as a culture that we constantly do this and don't put, bring these things to light. All of them. But go ahead, Queen. And again, just throwing it out that that's the perspective we was hoping to get out, not just a tit for tat you. And again, no, if you hear I it understand. differently, I don't mind. No, here's the mm-hmm. thing. Go ahead. I like what's going on with these young boys, the molestation, the abuse, the sexual misconduct, the rape. I feel like this is a is a very deep, very powerful, very strong issue that needs to be discussed, but it deserves its own show. I feel like it needs more than two hours. It needs several shows because it's a pervasive problem in our community. What I was bringing light to is that while we're discussing right now the lack of feelings of protection for women, you guys seem to have a hard time even acknowledging that that there is a problem specifically for women without being inclusive of how this issue affects men or boys. So every time we say this is happening to girls, this is happening to women, then the comments from the men is, well, I'm, it's defensive. It's, well, I'm doing this, or how can we do better, or this is happening to boys too, or look at that situation, how, how well she protected his ego. And I'm, I feel like in order for us to progress the conversation, progress the dialogue, and even enact um, change, we first have to hear you guys acknowledge that, you know what I mean, like this is an issue. Say it with regard to women without bringing the boys into it. 
I mean, just own it. Just, I mean, for you to even just say the words, wow, women aren't being protected because they're being molested and it's being covered up and it's, you know, all of these things that we're saying, you can't repeat it without bringing in how it's also affecting boys. And I think that's part of the problem. I don't know if it's painful for you. And like I said, I do believe it's a subconscious thing. But until we can actually just say and acknowledge all of the harm that's being done to women, specifically until you men can say and acknowledge all the harm that's being done to women, I'm not asking you to take responsibility for it. I'm not making you... um, I'm not implicating you it. I'm not saying that you specifically are responsible or have ever done anything specifically to a woman. But I do need you to own that these things are happening and say it out loud specifically with regard to women without bringing boys into it. And then we can say, well, how do we do something? And we can talk about how legislations have been changed to protect the LGBTQ community where whenever they're assaulted, abused, molested, or raped, it becomes a hate crime. But we will have girl after girl after girl when she faces the same situation is asked, what were you wearing? I need you guys to so own that. I'll just, okay, so what I'll tell you is um, it's, it's not personal. It's not hard for me to say. Um, all I'll tell you is I personally, and I'll speak for Jason, I personally differ on the perspective uh, on, on the perspective of how to address it. Uh, I wouldn't – I've done – what I'm saying is we've done shows on the children. I think it is, I think it shouldn't be, I personally think it shouldn't be in the context of not because I don't want to highlight women. I don't think they're in a sense separate shows when the issue for why our children are unprotected runs across the board. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just letting you know that it's not that it's hard for me to say. I just differ that it's in, in a, to, that I always, I like to do those shows together so that, cause that's just, my thought on how it should be done. You could feel that I'm wrong about it, and that's where we could differ. But just so you know, it's not that I'm having trouble to say it. I think those conversations should be done in reference to all of our children. Again, we don't have to agree on it, but just letting you know, that's why you don't hear me saying it, because I differ that's on that perspective. Not this show, that's my point. That's well, I understand that you feel We're that not. way. I'm just letting you know. Um, yeah, I understand. I'm just letting you know. You can get up. Let's not. I'm. Let, we differ on it. Like that's just where we got to be. We got We differ on. We differ on that. Just understand. I'm, if you can disagree with me and don't think I'm right, but I'm just letting you know that it's not a hard for me to say thing. I differ on that perspective. It's not for you. It's just I'm asking you to understand that I have a different perspective. You have that perspective. We just differ on it, unfortunately, in reference to that. But it's not being afraid to say it or anything like that. That's not what it is. All right, let's go to the caller. Area code 404-3187. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. So this is Sherdon again, and I had to call back because this queen just hit the nail on the head, and it blows my mind because even after she essentially just said it very direct and very clear. All we're asking is that you acknowledge that this is happening to us and not add all of these other parties to it. You still can't do it. And that's the problem in the struggle as a black woman. And it's, I, I hate to compare other situations, but to some degree it's equivalent to the all lives matter and black lives matter. When white people say, all lives matter, and there's all these other people who are suffering, and we need to do something about that. 
And we're like, duh, we get it. But we're specifically talking about the constant abuse and police brutality and so on in the black community, and we need to address that in systemic racism. That's the exact same thing we're saying as black women. Like, duh, we see that there's issues in our community. We know that it starts from um, when we were young. We understand all of those things. But the point is it has plagued black women. Like you said, Malcolm X even said that the most disrespected woman on the planet or human is the black woman. This is nothing new, but every time, no matter what level, and this is what I was saying earlier, is that it doesn't matter where you position yourself as a black man, whether you define yourself as one who protects black women or you're saying it's the young people who don't know any better, which, mind you, they're young parents, the young boys' fathers are our age, so clearly it's still our generation. But the issue is just say it. It's, it's, it's exactly why we have this Say Her Name movement. It's so frustrating how black men refuse to just straight out say, like she said, we're not asking you to take accountability. We're not saying that you personally raped or did not protect a black woman. But we need you to simply say black women are not protected, period. Not black women are not protected in black boys either. Not black women are not protected, but this is what we need for the black man. Not black women aren't protected, but we need to focus on the black community. No, we don't need any but. We just need you to say black women don't feel protected, are not protected, are not empowered and uplifted, and here's what I am going to do different to change that, period. Okay, we, and we and we ask, what is it? We ask you what to do different. Like we constantly, because we don't offer it as a but. Y'all, I, y'all hear it as a but, but we ask, we've asked, we're asking, what do we do different? Because we want to know. Jason wants to know. Jason wants to know what do we do different? Because we're trying to do more than you know what we're already doing with. You know, he has children, so respect to him. Um, you know, but in being an after-school instructor, in doing those things, we're not taking it personal. We're saying we want to know what additional do we actually do in reference to uh, the solution. We're at the last break, so I will let you respond out of the, uh, the break, Shadon. I just got to get this last break in. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. The Money Motivation brand currently exists it's a, it's a success and lifestyle clothing brand uh, primarily and it was created uh, because we saw the demand and it was created in 2017 and we saw the demand for uh, the self-made modern entrepreneur business leader high achiever um, there was a gap in a prominent streetwear brand that really embodied their journey so I wanted to take that concept and create a clothing brand that can embody that with a mission that's very simple, which was to inspire a life of excellence and freedom, uh, to promote independent thinking, hard work, taking risks, having a relentless commitment to what you do and a uh, never giving up type attitude. Those are all hallmarks of of the brand. And the product line consists of premium T-shirts, outerwear, headwear, accessories, canvas prints, and the like. But there's also a media aspect to this, which dovetails into this podcast actually being created where I really want to help people be successful in business and build businesses and wealth and be able to enjoy it while they're here as well as build it for future generations. But it's about being able to live a life of autonomy 
and that's been a big part of my motivation to be uh, in the financial industry and also have a brand that can represent that. So the hope is this can influence people to think differently. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Very proud of the Money Motivation Podcast being brought to the Mental Dialogue platform. We're seven episodes in. It's an opportunity where I, as the host or moderator of that show, get to talk to black millionaires. These guys think differently. Highly encourage you to find the Mental Dialogue platform on Blog Talk Radio, on Stitcher.com, find Mental Dialogue, or even go to Money Motivation on Anchor and you will find those episodes. So glad to have them as a sponsor. If you have a product or service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, we absolutely contact me, 404-604-9477. This morning's discussion question, why does the black woman feel unprotected? Special guest co-host Latrice Ross, special guest Christy Gaynell, as well as Jason Warner. Uh, We have Shadon Reynolds back online with us. And so, Queen, um, throwing it out that absolutely can acknowledge it, even though I know it feels like we don't acknowledge it, um, the question ends up being um, the capacity that maybe Jason talked about. I do it at the capacity that I can. I do it at the capacity that I can. We're not taking that personal, but in the the next step, for example, what does that look like? Because we definitely want to hear that, even if you feel like we don't want to hear it. I'm telling you, we do want to hear it. Go ahead and give, you, give us your thoughts, Queen. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a number of things, and I, I do think quite a few of the things that could be done have been mentioned by these queens already, but I would also just take it to the start of, if we're dealing with children, is parenting. I know that this is something across the board, um, whether it's through the black community or just um, uh, American approach, but the way we parent our sons and the way we parent our daughters are completely different. And so little girls are raised to um, naturally be servers and um, caregivers, right, where we spend so much energy with our daughters to make sure that they love, you know, protect their dolls and all that stuff, and we let boys just be free and be who they are. And so I think a part of that as men and fathers to young girls is that celebrate your daughter, allow her to just be who she is without putting these stipulations on her early on that she should be girly and she should wear a dress and she should do these, you know, fix her hair and all these fun stuff. Just let her be her, her authentic self, and then showing her through action what it looks like. How are you treating her mother? How are you treating her? Do you open the door for her? Do you empower her? Do you celebrate the things that she's doing? Because to, in my opinion, so much of it is from the, from the early stages. We suppress little girls quickly, and we sexualize little girls early, and we tell them, don't do this, or you'll seem like you're fast. Don't hang out with the boys because you're being fast when she's probably just being a tomboy. So just from the early stages, those are some things that we can do. But back to the original statement, the first step, like they say in rehab, is it just admitting that there's a problem. Still, I feel like the biggest struggle in this entire conversation are two very smart, educated, caring brothers being able to say unequivocally that there's a problem 
that black women are mistreated and we need to fix it, period. And, and, and my last statement would be um, it's kind of, I feel like black women have told the black community over and over how they can do better for us, but it's much like the conversation for me with white America. Like, I'm tired of keep trying to explain to white America what they can do differently with this race issue. Like, I need white America to look at each other and say, what can we do differently? And it's the same thing in this conversation. I need black men to look at each other and say, what can we do differently to be better to our women and stop looking for us, the victim, to be the answer? And, and that's my two, three, four, and five cents. <laughs> I got it. I got it, Queen. Um, yeah, I'll just Can simply I say that please? I think. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. Please. I will say again, like I said at the beginning of this call, black women are being mistreated and not feeling protect, protected, which is part of the reason why I said I can't go first. I am here to hear and listen, mm-hmm. so we can behave differently, because clearly. There is some disconnect in not only the communications, but the actions of black men that we have to hear differently so that we can change behaviors. If, 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 if men are saying we're doing it and women are saying that they're still not feeling protected, as a man, I have to listen differently. I have to ask more questions. And again, Black women are not being protected. The steps that we're taking clearly are not working, so we have to do something different. So that's where the questions come in. That's how we're asking as, as, as men of conscience, of men that are working in the community, of men that are raising girls, that are mentoring girls and mentoring boys to change behavior. It's the question and the conversation how we can move this along not to be in a situation of, of having, quote-unquote, blaming the victim, but li- literally intentively listening to change behavior in our community. And I think we have a perfect example, and I want to hear Latrice next. I think we have a perfect example of on, this, on this show um, in the initial part. Uh, Christy, we all, I applauded how you offered, for example, the idea of those young boys who, who are not in our circles and saying, hey, with, with this many young single, you know, mothers out here that the men should, you know, mentor and those boys when, whenever possible or make it their, their own problem. And I think it may be heard that we're saying, but we're doing that. We're not saying, but we're doing that. I'm just putting in the full context that the reality, unfortunately, at where we're scaled at today, this is not a but but when I when I'm part of a big brothers organization who just has too many the the men are signing up that are that that are that that you would want to teach because there's some men you don't want to teach and you know obviously they screen for that but I'm just saying uh, faced with that reality where we are trying to go to the next step in that sense because uh, I you know, I think you've told me this before Christy you never in a sense. And this is not about me. I'm just using it, trying to use it as an analogy that you don't feel unprotected. For example, in my presence, uh, I, and, and being I'm after school because I want to reach more children. The re, and again, it's not an excuse. It's being aware of the capacity to handle. Fortunately, what I have said and, and Latrice has heard this before. We got a lot of boys 
who are not being raised properly. And it's not about blaming the parents. It's the reality of our scenario that they're being able to become, I'll even use this word, and I don't like to use it a lot, but they're able to become toxic and act in ways that, that are not manhood, in, at, least, at least in the way I was brought up in it or the way I see Jason and I respect him for who he is. Latrice, you know, again, just I hope, you know, some context to what I'm saying is just the realization of how bad it's gotten. The, the next step is maybe more than what we're even coming together and saying, if, if that makes sense. We're trying to figure it out, but I think it's, it's more, and I don't know if we have an answer yet. I, you, know, my, you know, my answer is, you know, get back to strong families and strong marriages. I know that's not easy to do and put the, you know, the, uh, the genie back in the bottle, if you will, but I just don't know how cultures can, can capture it with, with only a quarter of our community being, you know, in, in marriages, if you will. And, you know, obviously marriages in itself ain't the fix-all, but those outcomes are de- definitely better in comparison to what we're doing now. Go ahead, Queen. Latrice, did I lose you? You can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you can now. You hear ahead, me? Okay. Yes, you're like you're um, gonna, you're... I think okay. I think you're you're right in what you're saying and I think that we have to you know, I, I get that words are important. Um but I don't want us to get bogged down on semantics when we need to be doing the work. And if you know, if you have a willing you know, and, and I take this same approach to, to anti-racism. Sometimes people don't know what to do, and you have to help them understand what to do. And so I'm taking what you and Jason are doing today as listening so that we can help you understand what needs to happen. I agree that part of what needs to happen is the restoration of the black family. That's not easily, easily easier said than done, but then at the end of the day, this is a very difficult task, and I don't think that we're going to accomplish it in any other way. Um, I think we have a light years to go with regard to black women feeling protected. Um, a lot of it has to do with perceptions. A lot of it has to do with um, young men being raised in homes without dads or being raised in homes with dysfunctional dads who don't show them um, the proper way to be. Um, I was in a group and I asked the question once, who taught you how to love? And many of them said, nobody. I had no examples. I learned on my own. And so that's how we wound up with this mess that we're in, because no one's teaching our children how to love. And they grow up in a world that oppresses them. They grow up seeing dysfunction. And so they continue to live that oppression and that dysfunction. Christy, any thoughts? Yes, that's all I want to say. Kristen, you're not coming through, so I don't know if we got a bad connection with you. We can't hear you at all. We got Did a minute and a half. Um, so, Am I yeah, so with only with only a minute and a half, I, I'm going to do this. Um, unfortunately, because okay. I want to make sure people can contact you, um, if you will, let people know. Uh, we definitely can continue this conversation in a couple of hours a couple more hours, but let people know how they can get in contact with you as well as Jason. That's all we have time to do. So just give out your um, public contact information, if you will. Christy Gaynell on all of social media, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y-G-A-Y-N-E-L-L. Sounds good. Jason, um, yeah, you as well. Get your contact information before the broadcast cuts off. Jason, did I lose you? 
think we have some technical difficulties here. It's hard to hear. My bad. I was on, I was on mute. Here. My bad. I was, talk, I was okay, talking, gotcha. but I was on mute. I said Jason L. Warner on all social media and own vision on all social media. Uh, thank you for having me, and, and we will continue to do better and focus on protecting and supporting the black woman. Yeah, it's definitely a problem. I just unfortunately don't think we're ready for the the actual solution, which is putting the genie back in the bottle. Culturally, when there are more fathers in a culture, it's easy to absorb situations with young boys. When there's less, it becomes very difficult and it becomes overwhelming. It sounds like an excuse, but it is a reality that I don't think we do a good job of accepting. With that said, we're gone. All I ask is that you think. <laughs>